Welcome to Tales from the Crypt. I'm just kidding. God damn it. All right. Welcome to Everything <laughs> Trying to Kill You. It's a hilarious, seriously, laugh, motherfuckers, podcast about horror movies that you thought you loved until we talked so much shit about them. I'm Mary. <laughs> and you're a dude. He's a dude. She's a, a dude. And we're, we're all dudes. dudes. We're all hey. dudes. Hey. I'm a dude. He's, He's a dude. dude. We tried. All right, for real, I'm Mary. I'm Megan. I'm Mary Kay. And I'm Emily. Ooh, yeah, what a lovely guest. Fuck are you? Why are you here? How'd you get in here? I just thought I'd hang out. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, like actually like tell us about yourself, maybe? Uh so my name is Emily. I uh, moved to West Virginia when I was eight years old, and then I recently moved to the Cleveland area. Uh, I am a dog mom to Moose. He is my oh. My son. Who has a deviated septum. He does have a learned. deviated septum. He snores. And he ate two bags of treats. Yes. And that's, <laughs> yes. We have called the vet multiple times. Moose, I am not impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed, Moose. <laughs> I'm not. I can do that easy. One time he ate ten donuts. <laughs> I am not what impressed. What an angel. <laughs> we don't deserve him. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the thing we're here to do. Right. Uh, today we're discussing 1972's Deliverance, which is appropriate because actually all of us just found out at some point in the last few hours that today Mr. Burt Reynolds passed. So, um, you know, remembrances, yeah. pour one out, whatever you do to to honor a good one. Yes, we love him. In fact, I would like to take this moment to pay a little homage to <laughs> Mr. Burt Reynolds. The late, late Mr. Reynolds. I remember from... Maybe before my childhood, but I remember the picture of him on the bearskin rug. Oh my god. <laughs> forever. And I'm going to share something very close to me about how the first time I went home with a stranger. Yes, please I, share this story. Yes, I, um, he was staying at a friend's couch and um, they had a, it was like a boar skin rug. And so he like went to give me some water and I like laid on the on the rug and I was like, Who am I? And he was like, You're Mary Kay and I was like, No dummy, I know you know my name and then I had like I think I left actually then. I know I called Mary from the bathroom and was like, Do I I mean he doesn't know who Bert Reynolds is, like what uh, you have to leave, obviously. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, so um so yeah, that was that's one of my favorite things about him. What did I, what did I say? I don't know. Told her it was probably at like 4 a.m., honestly, so I'm not sure that you answered. It was a while ago. I feel like the, my response would have been some either like, well, like, don't marry him, but fuck him anyway, or... That seems like a character, yeah. That sounds out. like something that you would say. Like, that's Or the, what kind of monster, what do you expect from this idiot? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, this is the sunken place, get out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> How dare you not know that I'm impersonating Burt Reynolds when I lay on an animal skin rug on my side as though I'm going to have my own cutting edge R&B album. I mean, (laughs) anyway, in conclusion, Burt Reynolds, we love you. (laughs) What a great honor 
So talking about the sunken place with get out, it made me think of melding get out with deliverance. Terrible idea. And you should log out of the call now. I figured never have another, (laughs) never have another idea ever again. Well, um, I think she's probably salty because Mary didn't have an icebreaker question. And then Emily came through in the clutch with this one. Tell us what it is. You give, right. it, give it a drink and a half, and Emily's going to be coming for me even harder. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. I cannot wait. But can I hear the icebreaker? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, okay. Sorry. What is your favorite hillbilly slash southern phrase? So who wants to go first? The guest always goes oh, first. Oh, sorry. No, 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 of course. Goes first, of course. It's your question. So if you so, want to pass it, you can. <laughs> no, I actually have a really good answer. So okay. um, I have never used this, even though I'm from West Virginia. Um, but I saw it in this Appalachian dialect documentary, and this old man said "sigh goggling," and I love it. It's an awesome word, "sigh goggling." What does that mean? It means like crooked or sideways. So, like when oh. something's like askew, it's "sigh goggling." Incredible. My mind immediately went to "sigh goggling," like with the C Y, as in like cyborg, and I couldn't figure out what was going on that <laughs> makes much more sense even though it doesn't uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. i like it i'm gonna start using it probably not because i'm gonna forget it in about three seconds because <laughs> there's a whole lot of letters that should not go in sequence yeah anyone real passionate about theirs i got a bunch so i'm gonna make sure nobody takes mine and i'll go ask okay fine well um one of my favorites is ship fire <laughs> it's, just, it's simple it's clean um it's like a double expletive Yes. Because, like, fire by itself isn't one, but shit fire, like, gives you, like, the double, like, the plosive into the hissing, and, like, it's fun. It's just fun to say, and it's evocative, and it's also one that my best friend from high school's uh, mom used to say before she passed, so it's one of the few, like, cusses that my friend, like, likes. She's not a big cursor herself, but she gets a kick out of it and will occasionally say it, and every time she does, it's a very, like, bittersweet moment. It's like the opposite, but the same as hot damn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like the level up. You have to say, you can't say shit fire. No, shit fire. You have to say shit fur. Yeah, shit fire. My aunt used to say shit fire and save the matches, and I have no fucking idea what that means. Shit fire, so that you didn't have to use a match. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, literally, if you shit okay, fire. You're right, I guess. Oh <laughs> you're basically an environmentalist, is what she's saying. <laughs> okay. Good. She's so eco-friendly. I love it. So every time I eat wings, <laughs> I am saving the planet Earth. <laughs> Got it. You're incredible. We don't deserve you. What's your phrase, Megan? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you said that you thought about things that your grandma said, so I had to think back. And my grandmama. I'm sorry. That's what we say here. Your grandmama. Okay. Well, my grandma one time asked me if I knew where some of the Halloween candy went and of course, I lied and was like, nope, <laughs> even though I ate that shit and we all know it. And she told me that I was lying like a no-legged dog. And I thought that was pretty incredibly stupid <laughs> and wonderful at the same time. And then one time, the same aunt that was shitting fire and saving matches told uh, somebody to don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. I've heard that one. And I think those are pretty great. I don't, those are I don't understand most Southern phrases, but... I'm pretty sure Judge Judy wrote a book and titled it that. I hope so. I want that to be true. I'm kind of sure. Let's see. Otherwise, I just like that Southerners always just say, bless your heart is an insult. That one's pretty great, Mm -hmm. too. 
I also really like God Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. Mm. Yeah, do you know that that is not talking about an actual creek? It's talking about the tribe? Is it? Nope. I didn't know yes. that. I thought it meant, like, flooding, because it floods a lot in right. West Virginia. So, But it's actually talking about, like, Indian uprising. Oh, my God. Which oh. makes it much better, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, if we don't die, yeah, maybe we'll do it if we don't die. If we are not rightfully overthrown by the vengeful <laughs> right. inhabitants of this land we have plundered. Right. Oh, oh, life yeah. lessons for Mary Kay. Yeah, my grandfather told me that, actually. He's like, you oh. know, that's, like... A little bit of, I mean, he didn't say like it's offensive, but that's what the subtext was. And he was like, like, you know, that's talking about like people. And I was like, nope, didn't know that. Thanks, Grandpa. Yeah. 1996. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Boom. Good. Got it. Okay. So some of my favorites that my grandma says, I guess my favorite one that she says is she'll say like, it's too much sugar for a dime. Meaning, like, you're asking me to do way too much and not giving me enough in return. <laughs> and I really like that a lot. She has a bunch. Like, as I was thinking, I was like, oh, my God, there's so many. But I think that's my favorite because everybody is like, what does that mean? And I was like, I get it. I get it. She's also been the one who told me that uh, you always go for the biggest stone. That's not really a Southern thing. That's just her thing, <laughs> which I, I like and support, but haven't done, actually. It's good advice, but <laughs> um, it's enough for me, I guess. Lovely. I feel I feel real out of my element in that one. Never think about how not Southern I am until something like that's going on, and I'm like, oh, God. That I speak more Yiddish than you? I don't know. Um, you definitely right. do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Fran Drescher taught me enough Yiddish I could hold my own. You're so right. Is Shiksa Yiddish? Because I know yes. that word. Yes, yes. Shiksa is Yiddish. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um... I'm really excited to have Emily on this episode, A, because um, it's always nice when you can get three brilliant Southern women in a room and just dispel again and again and again and again any notion that having some kind of Southern accent represents any kind of fucking stupidity. Oh, yeah. Winston Churchill has a quote about that. I actually was talking to this dude about it the other day. He said, do you know my favorite Winston Churchill quote? And I quoted this one. And then he said no, and I was like, but it's your favorite now, right? <laughs> um, and he said, uh, the most beautiful sound in the world is that of an educated Southern woman. Ooh, I like that. I saw that written on the inside of a dive bar's bathroom. Oh so it God. has to be true. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Because how accurate. can you lie in there? Like, what's the point? You're, you can't. Uh, I feel like yeah. that's where you're the most honest. If you are at the point where you are carving shit or sharpieing shit, into a dive bathroom, you probably can't lie anymore because you wouldn't remember what you were supposed to be saying instead. Yeah, you committed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I was excited to have Emily for that reason. I'm also excited to have Emily. Once I actually saw the movie, I was like, wow, I can't think of a better person to have invited. For those of you who did not get any of this explanation before this moment, because I'm realizing we didn't do that, Emily is my best friend from my time in West Virginia. I lived there for a couple of years. Uh, We worked together at a residential mental health facility for children. Support. Support. (laughs) Support. Oh, God damn. And then uh, every year since, I think last year was the first time we couldn't do it. Every year since, we have had a best friends camping trip every fall. So she seemed like such an obvious pick for this. And then I saw the movie and was like, oh, my God, I can't think of a better person to talk to about toxic masculinity for an hour. Love it. So you know what would be a great idea to like bond over is go to the most I don't want to say like irresponsible but like unpredictable river in North Georgia and take the least 
effective boat on it. Did you guys do that? Or is that just a thing for white guys? <laughs> I think that's just white men. Okay. 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 I did take an eight-day canoe trip down the Potomac River with 10 adjudicated 15 to 18-year-old teenage girls who were in a mental health lockup. That still sounds more responsible than everything that happened in this film. (laughs) Yeah, because one of the people on the trip was a fucking guy who'd done the trip several times. Also, it wasn't whitewater in a canoe. And did anyone just stand up stupid all the time? No. No, because one time... One of the fucking one of the fucking <laughs> girls decided like, oh god, it'd be cute if I act like, oh my god, I'm so scared. And she tipped her fucking canoe, and everyone was real pissed at her. And then she got it together real quick, and suddenly for the rest of the trip, she really knew what was going on. She was great in a canoe, and I was like, yeah, well, you probably shouldn't have been showing off for boys that weren't there because that's exactly what that was. You know that. Right? <laughs> she was like, yeah. In hindsight, I didn't realize how much of a habit that had become until I was doing it in a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, girl. What an eye-opening moment. We've all done some stupid flopping for an insincere bastard or two. Well, it's fine. Even lying. when they're not there. Mm-hmm. You are not lying like a no-legged dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's such a theme in this, right? It's not just man versus nature. It is man. Man. All the man hanging out of Reynolds' vest. That man <laughs> versus nature. Specifically, right? That like It's masculinity. Versus nature. Not just men. Masculine. I guess. Well, and then they even, at the beginning of the movie, they paired the two polar opposites of the group in one canoe. And we saw how that went. Yeah, the you don't beat this river. Yeah. And can I just say, I kept thinking, ayo, river, during the whole thing. You guys see that Portlandia bit? Yeah. There's a couple who's, like, supposed to be real hardcore about river safety, but they're, they're just so absurd about it. And Emily... For every best friend's camping, part of the point is to get out on the water. Like we go tubing or something. Mm-hmm. And every year, she gets real wasted out on the water and real sunburned and just screams, <laughs> hey, river at me for like an hour and a half. Except for the year she like broke her foot or something. Oh my god, then you had to just drag me in the thunderstorm. Oh my I dragged god. her through shallow water where, she, where we weren't floating anymore. I dragged her for like a mile while it was storming on us. Because I couldn't What walk. an angel. Yeah, because I love her. So that's the thing. That sounds like a nice, normal human thing to do. We thought we'd go for a float. It started storming. My friend hurt her ankle. We're safer if we get back. Let's do it in the reasonable way where I walk and pull it to. The movie does the opposite at every single turn. Every time. Every time. They had a chance to be fucking reasonable about it. They were like, I will instead shoot a fish out of the water. So unnecessary. (laughs) With a bow and arrow, not even a gun. Yeah, I will shoot a fish out of the water. Motherfucker, you don't even, at, that, at, that, at a certain point, it's just more reasonable to reach in there after it. I mean, like, come on. Or to just get a fishing pole. It's like or, the most extra thing. Or, yeah, or a net, or anything. They should have gone noodling. What? That would have been some really good. Have you ever heard of noodling? Mm-hmm. No, but it sounds like something I'm not going to do. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. never done it, nor have any plans to. You put your hand in dark holes in the river. Is that the thing where you stick your fist in the fish's mouth? Yeah. Yes. Because you know what else lives in dark holes in rivers? Piranhas. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no water snakes that are super poisonous. Do you typically go camping in the Amazon basin? Megan? Oh, if I'm going camping anywhere, it's not going to be in, like, the random woods of America. If I'm going camping, it's going to be somewhere, like, real cool. I don't like to just go camp in the Appalachian Mountains for no reason. Um, That's not my Appalachian. style. Appalachian. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
the Appalachian Mountains. <laughs> I I love camping. There's a reason I'm. There's a reason I kept working at mental health facilities where we specifically took the children camping. There's a reason yeah. I now do it for fun. Like the one of the few times Emily and I get to see each other every year is this camping trip. You know, like I really enjoy this, and I have been. I am extra about my camping. It is true, but I'm just not like. I didn't wear a leather vest. Can, yeah, can we talk about well, that? Then I don't want to go. We can't with not you. talk about the leather vest. Everybody, be quiet. We're talking about the leather vest. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't talk about it because Mary didn't wear one when she was camping. Therefore, I don't give a shit about Mary or her camping trips until she puts on a leather vest with chest. Exactly. Hair. We're talking about Burt Reynolds' leather vest, dude. Okay, you're Fun right. Fun fact: in my anecdote from earlier, I was also wearing a leather vest. Just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> It's one of those things where, you know, sometimes you realize if you've watched a movie several times or you watch it on a dramatically different screen that you're like, oh, that texture isn't what I thought it was or that material, right? Or materials photograph differently. So in real life, you wouldn't use it, but it's good for screen. That is so visibly leather. And this is so specifically Georgia. And what? And sweaty chest hair. Oh, yes, yeah. ma'am. Don't mind if oh, I do. Oh, God. I don't care, Burt Reynolds, man. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'll look, I'll look it off the man. I, that's fine. That's not what I'm complaining about. My complaint is that... <laughs> why was it... He's supposed to be this great outdoorsman. It seems like such a dumb Yeah, why is he wearing a leather vest? Yeah. Such a dumb and contradictory choice. That and also him standing in the boat. That probably bothered me more than it should have. Yeah. I was going to say, that is it's the eighth stupid. time you've mentioned that. I know. Why don't you tell us one more time how you cannot stand <laughs> it's it? It's just unreasonable. I mean, I it. It's unreasonable. Well, you're right. Well, because it I definitely just, is. Also, you cannot stand in a canoe. You're going over. Well, no and one I can do it. Me. Yeah. And I just kept thinking, like, she portrays Lewis's character, like, Burt Reynolds' character, Lewis, portrays himself as, like, this prepper kind of attitude of, like, the, the government's going to fall and I'm going to be one of the few who know how to take care of my, my life. Yeah. And then you wear a leather vest and stand in canoes. No. No. Well, also, I feel like that's fair. Like, how many... How many guys do you have you met in your lifetime who have this absurd belief that they'll be fine, even though most of their like awareness of this is just posturing? I mean, most um, men. Yeah, but I feel like the ones that say that to me, I have to believe them or I don't date them. You know, tough, tough guy with a heart of gold is my thing. Partly yeah. because the world will end soon, probably. Well, it's interesting, too. We're civilization, yeah. We can look at this now and think, okay, like it's such a such a blown out absurd masculinity also is this like a hot take like a 1972 hot take on masculinity like there's a lot to unpack there and yet when he was cast like this is the movie that made Burt Reynolds the epitome of masculinity he this was his breakout role he wasn't picked for this because he would immediately evoke something in fact they asked a bunch of other people to do it he was, he yeah, was he's po- he is posturing the whole time, but he doesn't know he's doing it. Like when he haggles with the mm-hmm. guy about, mm-hmm. can you drive my car to the end? You can't drive your own car to the end. Nope. Really? You can't do that yourself. And then you want to like, he's going to have your car in with him. You should pay him whatever he asked for. Number one. Yeah. Also, when he says, I've never been lost a day in my life. Typical, typical man. I'm sorry. Sure. Like, I hate it. I hate that to be true. You've never um, been lost as long as you don't acknowledge it. If you just insist that, <laughs> insist that you know where you are, then you're right. <laughs> well, what my mother used to do, my, my dad never had a problem saying he was lost. And he's got a good sense of direction. So more often than not, it was a, like, I know where I need to be. I can see where I am. But 
you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time working out the, the in-between. Fine. Whatever. My mother insisted on saying every time we did get lost that it was an adventure, which is a phrase that actually makes me a little sick to my stomach now. Because as kids, we knew, like, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> I was mad at me. Also, while we're talking about Burt Reynolds' masculinity in regard to adventure, one of the... I don't like to call them hillbillies because I don't really know that that is what they are. They're just country people. Like, they live there, and they know how to navigate their space. I kept and saying hill folk, like, a, like Kenneth says in 30 Rock. Or help people. And I was like, that's Yeah, but that's to make fun of them too. And I just don't, I don't think that that, like, they're not stupid or anything like that. No. And I didn't want, I, I just don't like it. Um, it's very classist to me, so I don't like it. But anyway, the other thing that he said, or like one of, one of the people who lives in, in the, in the book it's North Georgia. I guess in the movie it's West Virginia. In oh, no, it's life, not. They filmed no, no, it in no. North Georgia. It's, it's in Georgia, because they mentioned it's it in Georgia. Georgia. It's filmed in Chattooga County. Which I've, yeah. I'll tell you guys about that later. But anyway, um, yeah, no, no, it's meant to be in it's meant to be in Georgia as well. Yeah. So the other thing about Burt Reynolds talk or Lewis really talking and adventure is when one of the people who lives there says, "Why do you want to go out and fuck with that river?" Mm-hmm. Lewis says, "Because it's there." Yeah. And that is just hashtag imperialism. Like that's what that looks like to me because you don't need to do that. You don't have anything to prove and you're totally ill-prepared. Like, first of all, what are you wearing? (laughs) Number two, can you take it off? Number three, what are you wearing? He's going to get et up. Yeah. Yeah. He is. That's so right. Totally. And that one guy kept spraying bug spray. He's the only one with any sense. I know. And they made him out to be like the least masculine and he was the most prepared. Yeah. Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's another like thematic thing, right? That there is a kind of masculinity that doesn't kill you, but doesn't get you where you need to go, which is Lewis. There's a kind of masculinity that is icky and you die, right? Like standing standing by your principles is not okay if your principle is being girly and weak and you'll just jump out of a canoe and die. Talking about Drew? Yeah, yeah. I like Drew. I like Drew, too. That was, he was my favorite. Right, which seems like a reasonable way to feel because he's more uh, compassionate to the people around him. He's more reasonable. He's measured. He actually thinks things through. And when he knows what he believes, he actually, he really stands by it, right? And ultimately, that that seems to be at least a part of his undoing. When When I was very first watching it, I was like, did he just jump out of the canoe to his doom because he couldn't live with what they did? And then when they were like, no, he got shot. I was like, no, he did he? And I think that's, that's meant to be unanswered that they're, they're just going to have to live with the choice to hunt down this other guy, even if he had nothing to do with. Yeah. That scene where they were like, he got shot, like really confused me. Cause I didn't see that. No, not at all. But yeah, there's these, these variations. And then you have Bobby who's not. And then that's all driven home. That's driven home by the fact that he's the one who's assaulted. Like he's, Thoroughly emasculated, which is a word I hate because if your masculinity can be taken from you by somebody else's behavior, then that's nope, that's not a thing. This isn't, yeah, oh, ooh. anyway. It's also they, um, nature just as a as an entity in literature and film is always feminine, so Mother there's nature, that. and then mm-hmm. right, and they also call the river she or what Lewis does. Mm-hmm. He says, um, there she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up, it ends up being the thing they shouldn't have fucked with. 
because everything else fucks with them when they go fuck with it. And he only does that because it's there. So yeah. we have uh, that sort of gender thing happening, too. Uh, but we can talk about Bobby, too, because he is the most effeminate just because, well, not just because, but, but like you said, he's he's the one who is raped. And then he's also the one who's the least capable of survivalism inherently. But he has all of the, he, he like overprepared gear wise, which is in style right now. But like he doesn't have the knowledge to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, it, I would argue that it's that the reason the the ones who make it through, the, the fact that he, he makes it through so relatively intact compared to most of the team, certainly not intact, like he's survived trauma on trauma on trauma, is the fact that if Bobby is the most feminine and then he was cared for by the more masculine guys, the masculine men like saved the damsel in distress. Well, also caretaking is an, is an effeminate or feminine quality. Which is the role he embodied. He didn't do. He didn't rescue anybody, but he did take care of Lewis. He was the one that yeah. like washed mm-hmm. over him. But the one who actually like got up and did things to save them was uh, Ed. Ed, thank you. So, and all of these guys, most of these guys, rather, were like fifth, sixth casting choice. They had somebody else in mind completely. My beloved Donald Sutherland almost played Drew, or what they wanted him to play Drew. He turned it down. Oh, I can't remember who was up before John Voight for uh, for Ed. I kept thinking every time John Voight was on screen, like, you're Angelina Jolie's dad. This mm. is weird. What amazing foreshadowing when they're like, you got a pretty mouth. And I was like, wait till you see what it's worth on somebody else's <laughs> face. Yikes. He does have a pretty mouth, though. Beautiful man. Yeah, at first I didn't think so, and then he started, like, trying shit and trying shit, mm-hmm. and it worked. And I was like... You do have a pretty mouth, though. <laughs> That's what convinced me. But that seemed to be the commentary, right? Yeah. That there's a there's a degree of masculinity that that is toxic that will prevent you from accomplishing the things you need to accomplish because it's inherently prideful. That Lewis has gone too far and he can't make it through on his own terms. Whereas Ed, who is capable but not flying on wax and wings straight up into the evil evil sun, he can make it all the way through. Well, so, okay, so we have all of this masculinity, all these variations on masculinity. Masculinity is the reason to be here and do the thing, all of this plundering and taking and owning, versus the locals, who seem to be aligned. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about nature being feminine, they have this alignment with nature and this feminine entity until that whole thing gets straight up subverted into squeal like a pig, where the locals are the masculine taking, violating energy yeah so who wants to talk about one of the most iconic rape scenes a scene that burt reynolds himself later said that he felt was he felt this was the best movie he was ever in and he felt that this scene in particular was important he said it was the first time he'd seen men like get so disgusted they got up and left a theater that he'd seen women do it but he'd never seen men do it and the fact that this is what did it to them like this is the thing that like turned their stomachs he stopped filming at the first time, because it turned his stomach, and he was like, this is going too far, and they were like, this is important. Mm-hmm. Well, so. I mean, well, because it's, like, the worst thing that can happen to a man, because it's essentially, you know, it's, like you said, emasculating. You're, I, mean, I get, there's, like, this idea of, like, anal pre- penetration for a man, like, I don't know, steals your masculinity. Yes. You will become yeah. a woman if you are penetrated, and what could be worse yeah. than being a woman? Nothing. <laughs> I mean... If I ever find out otherwise, I'll let you know. I hope you don't. Thank you. Well, and I, and I wonder how this scene would have played if a different 
member of the party had been the one assaulted because they picked the lowest one on the in the pecking order. So what if it had been Lewis who had been raped? I think that's definitely a function of when this was made, don't you think? That if it, yeah. if it were to be made yes. the very first time today, I think it would actually be important that it is somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that yeah. it couldn't be explained away as... But if, if I think if it had been anyone else at the time, it, it just wouldn't have been bought or believed that there's such a stigma around right. mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. That, that men should be able to fight off an attacker. There's stigma yeah. around women fighting off attackers, and yet there's also stigma around women who actually work out enough to fight off anybody at all. Them being gross looking and to look like a man. It's true. Man, I was going to say something. What was it? Oh, it was about Bobby, but I want to go after Megan because she has okay. some stuff. She to say. does. She yeah. does. Um, I do have some stuff, but most of my stuff pertains to. Yeah, I guess we're already talking about it about how this per, it has men in it. It's definitely a whole loss of power and control and fragile ass masculinity, which, like we already said, there's nothing more horrifying to a man apparently. But uh, there's also a lot of times in the movie, especially during like the corn cob scene when they're sitting there eating their corn, that mm-hmm. implies that trauma doesn't really affect uh-huh. men in the way that it affects women and that they're just kind of expected to bottle it and deal with it yep. and move about their lives and still be tough. Mm-hmm. But then I also, after I've kind of watched this movie again recently, and I guess maybe because nowadays people are living life a little bit more politically correct, whether you agree or disagree with that. It's also kind of made me see that we've almost taken this really disturbing and serious rape scene and turned it into like this pop culture quotable Mm -hmm. thing. It's like, it's on memes. It's in jokes. We're like, you got a pretty mouth. Like if that was a woman getting raped, like that would not be okay for Mm -hmm. us to joke about the rape scene in a film, but squeal like a pig and you got a pretty mouth and all that. They're jokes. Yeah, and I... So I had never seen this movie before watching it for this episode. Mm-hmm. And... But I'd heard... But you've heard those phrases. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. I remember being in junior high and people saying that. And I, I just knowing that it was perceived as funny and having no real context as to what it was. Um, you know, I've talked to several people telling them that I was, you know, recording for the, the podcast this week. And they were like, oh, and I, and I was telling them, like, oh, we watched Deliverance. And that is literally the first thing out of, like, people quoting instantly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Even Bobby says, we should kill him. I don't want this getting out. Like, that's his concern, yeah. is that it's yeah. going to damage his masculinity social. Yeah. yeah, I just, while that might have been what that character would have said then, I don't think that's an accurate representation of probably how he was feeling. No. Well, I don't think that that's because he's not because he's not going to talk at all about how he's feeling. No, because he's expected to process trauma differently. Yeah, but I don't think men do. I just think socially they're exactly. supposed like to. Exactly, like he can talk yeah. about an action plan. He can identify the next steps. He can move, 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 hustle, 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 hustle. So he's not. Well, and he doesn't have to show weakness, but he can say that this didn't affect him. It's fine. It's cool. Like, don't tell anybody. I don't even think I'm, you know, I'm not gay or nothing. So like, let's not get this out. So that's a big pile of bullshit. Also, a big pile of bullshit is the fact that this is portrayed as a horror film. But when there are female-centric movies that are centered around rape, it's a drama. It's a lifetime or movie. it's not even. It's just, like, a thing that happens so that a character has some depth. Yeah. yeah. Or it's just, like, furthers the story along. Yeah. But if it's a guy, yeah, if it's a man point. raping a man, it's a horror film. If it's a girl non-consensually pressing 
to a man, it's a romantic comedy. And guys are like, dude, why would you say no? Why wouldn't you want that? So like, then it's funny. But if it's a woman getting raped, it's a drama. So it just seems like we're categorizing films based on what's happening to who. And when a man rapes a woman on camera, it is more often than not a plot point to illuminate something about the man. Like, I mean, as much as I love Game of Thrones, that's something that has come up persistently that the rape is not like a background noise thing to happen so that we get the message that this is a brutal society. There are so many other, if you can't do this any other way, then you're not good at it. Rape is not something like, it's not something so that we see how this other character completely separately, like the scene, I can't go spoilers anyway, but there's a scene in which the, the entirety of this horrifying rape the camera is on a third character's face watching it happen. And yes, I get that as a storytelling choice in the context of a larger world in which you have consistently minimized or negated or talked over and around the experiences of these women, you're, these characters that you're exploiting. Mm-hmm. No, I don't, I don't think the most interesting thing about the scene was that. And if the most interesting thing about the scene was the woman's experience and you didn't feel like you could show it, then don't show it show me something else that gives me the information i need about how this affects her and and how Mm -hmm. this changes our story moving forward yeah that is actually something that i mean as as brutal as the scene in this movie is i was watching and I, i kept waiting for it to get either much more oblique or much more disgusting right i kept waiting for it to get much more graphic yeah or for it to cut away because no 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 Watching it happen to a man is the real worst. And the, the way the camera held... It's hidden kind of behind the branch just a little bit, but you see everything. And that you that you knew what was happening mm-hmm. because of what you could hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, the camera never left. Like, it didn't travel away. The imagery was still there, just no. out of focus and a step or two away. I actually felt like it was really powerfully constructed. From a storytelling perspective, it... I knew what was going to happen because, like you said, this is a like a running gag at this point, and I still, it, I still felt like it was really powerful. I still felt like I was surprised by how it played out. So, and I think also part of the joking about it is uh, it's a coping skill. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because that's why you see people in. I mean, when you go to a horror movie at, for example, Atlantic Station, people want to have conversations and joke about the horror movie that's happening on the screen. Is because they don't want to actually feel anything. It's a distraction. Yeah, Yeah. and so, by the way, if you're that person, stay the fuck at home. If you can't experience human emotion in a public public place, then you don't need to go to a public place where that's the goal. Just wait to watch it at home where you can talk all the shit you want. Or pause it, or, like, go get a snack while the rape scene is happening since you're not paying attention anyway. Mm, You're right. Yeah. Anyway, that's my soapbox. I'll never go to that theater again. I fucking hate it. (laughs) Because, because of that, it ruins shit for you. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been there. But now I won't. Thank you. Don't. I mean, if you're going to go see, like, Jumanji or a Kevin Hart movie, then yeah, sure, do it. Now I kind of want to go. You just want to yell at the screen. Um, <laughs> it is a stereotype. and in, But it's only a stereotype that you talked about in the last episode. It is a stereotype, and in this household, it holds up beautifully. <laughs> I was going to say, you said that that was you in our last episode. I'm not just throwing out racial stereotypes blindly. Big time. Big time. <laughs> it's not a stereotype. It's what you do. It's what you literally <laughs> said you do. No, no. I was, I was, I was just going to make the point again in case someone skipped last episode. 
Okay, yeah. well, they shouldn't have. You should go back. That one was really funny. Pop you should this, do that one. Go back and listen, yeah. and then come right back. <laughs> Look, right. we got to get on. Mary Kay, give us a segue before I get on a conversation about burlesque names for all of us. Segways, girl, segways. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to jump into the next thing about how I'm pretty sick of this white nonsense survivalist escapist tourism. Andrew named this episode for us, by the way. Andrew watched this with me, and it was the first time he had seen it, and he said that he gave us the title of our episode. And I was like, what is it? Expecting it to be something real dumb? And he said, White Nonsense Roundup. I said, that's great. Um, that's, that's what I wrote, actually. I mean, not Roundup, yeah. but I said White Boy Nonsense. Yeah, no, he said, yeah. He said, it's, yeah, it's, the, it's the White Nonsense it's Roundup. It's White Nonsense. That's the winner. Oh. So we're talking about man versus what exactly, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of like this phenomenon that happens when we get super civilized, which is that people who don't think the world is dangerous enough for them have to go out and tempt fate, which is stupid because you should just stay at home, enjoy your first world teeth, and let these good country people eat their cobless corn. <laughs> or just go bungee jumping like the rest of us. Yeah, or, yeah, or do it, like, stay in your lane. Bur- like, stay in your lane, Lewis. Like, no one wants to babysit you doing like, this shit. No one wants to sit and listen to the police recorder and hope that you don't oh, get called in. Shit. No one wants that. <laughs> Mary does. That was a callback. That was a deeply specific thing that happened to me. <laughs> yes, I was about, I'm oh shitting because I was the one that she was like, Mary, pull it up on your phone. I don't have good service. And I'm standing there with like a police scanner on my phone. Like, is this legal? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just what we have to do. I don't know what you have to do and I don't have any data. <laughs> what if he falls? What do we do? Do we call the police? Oh, my handsome friend. This is my friend there. Ah, ah. Our faces look like this for a reason. Ah, ah. He's like, why is your phone stuck in your bra like that? I'm not listening to a police scanner. It's none of your fucking business, that's what. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't set you up with anybody who couldn't handle you talking to them that way immediately. Just want to say. And I appreciate that. Anyway, so who is the enemy? I feel like civilization and the need to feel alive by being close to death is, I I guess, like that whole Freudian death wish thing. I don't know. The world is plenty dangerous for me, so I don't need to go out and do that. Four white dudes out, like, living out their Freudian death wish. There's a reason there's no women. There's a reason there's no people of color out there. Like... We're good. Yes, there were. There was a person of color. He was the fucking first yes, responder. Yes, I saw that. Which makes perfect sense. Exactly. Not out in the water, tempting fate. Oh, you're like, right, you're right. No, no, it's for white dudes because they have built a society where they're the only ones who are fucking safe. That's true. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not throwing shade to the people who do that on a regular basis to live. Do your thing. You're in your lane. There's a big difference between actually surviving and yes, and doing it for tourism. Yeah, and I want to clarify too that I enjoy a lot of like adventure sport. If I if I had the skill set, like if I were if I felt like I had mm-hmm. the capacity to do this, this is the kind of thing that I might do. Which is why I wouldn't do it the way they did it. Yeah, you would go with a mm-hmm. guide like you did, someone yeah. who knows what they're I'm, doing, and you wouldn't wear a leather vest. <laughs> no, you would wear a life vest. <laughs> Two of them, maybe. Let's be real though. How good would I look in just a leather vest? So, so amazing. I mean, I think after about 30 minutes, you'd look sweaty, but... 
And I think you would fucking yeah. love it. Damn. And I still think she would look hot. <laughs> Shit. That's true. Actually, okay, so on the realm of like tempting nature, an example of a time that I went full white nonsense <laughs> on a camping trip. Oh my god. <laughs> That's what our icebreaker should have been. A time you went full white nonsense? No, I trust the rest of you to be fine. <laughs> it's just me. I mean, I had a, I don't know about full white nonsense, but I definitely sought out a pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks this morning. That's not nonsense. That shit is bomb. That's that shit is full of the flavor it's of so clothes. Oh, God, it's That's so good. That's why we love it. So, so what had happened was that Emily came to North Carolina. We we're going to go on our best friend's camping trip. She came down a day or two early mm-hmm. because we make a spreadsheet for our menu. And uh, we had to do our grocery shopping for our requisite groceries so that we can eat like motherfucking queens while we're out in the wild and can i just backtrack like these spreadsheets are epic we have one every year and it's saved and they are works oh, they're, going on the, they're going on the instagram they're going on the instagram okay screenshot <laughs> um, it show us so we're doing our grocery shopping and we're in costco and i was like oh damn look at this couscous salad and i was like bitch why would we fucking take a couscous salad on a camping trip we are oh taking God, meat we are taking raw ass meat that we will roast on a fucking fire that is the point of camping. We are going to make a fire and we are going to cook on it and then we're going to eat our bounty. Um, and she was like, whatever, I'm getting it anyway. So we get out to the campsite that night and at the exact moment that we get the tent fully set up, it pours like full on thunder, lightning, dumping buckets of rain. No fire for you, bitch. <laughs> we are drenched to the skin, but fortunately we've gotten the tent up just enough that the inside of the tent is bone dry. So we are just like, fuck it. We strip butt-ass naked, hang our clothes up outside, get up in the tent, and eat this couscous salad because that's all we could eat that night. <laughs> because my dumbass was like, only raw meat. <laughs> we later found out that wasn't even a campsite. We just picked a random patch of super deep mud. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was also the year that we got spoken to about carrying open glass beer containers to the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did that like last night and then I was like, oh shit, I couldn't have a second. I would like to share some white nonsense I've done. I would love to hear your white nonsense. May I? Okay. So uh, in college for about a month, I dated somebody from Chattooga County, which is where this was filmed. And when I got there, I mean, they, they were actually country. They weren't like Lewis. They were like the guy who saves them. Basically, yeah. <laughs> that's who that was. They were really nice to me. Um, but they kept joking about how that's where Deliverance was filmed. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> and then I saw the movie and I was like, why would you tell me that shit? That's horrifying. Well, and, and most of the most of the locals are actual locals. They tried as much as they could to cast people from the area. Yeah, that seems like a little bit cruel to me when they're portraying them as stupid hicks. Yeah. Well, America, you and I mentioned the same thing in our Wonderful Over the Cuckoo's Nest because, like, those were mm-hmm. actual patients. And I was like, that just feels like a real no, cheap that's shot. Right. Yeah. That's well, not that okay. one was very wrong because they well, couldn't one, consent yes. to being filmed. This one is not the same, but... No, but still uncomfortable. I felt... So the, my pump was real primed for these people to be portrayed as so, so negatively, right? Like, I, I knew that about this movie going in. And then watching it, I was like, what's really overwhelming to me is that it's not that people are stupid, but that they are not willing to talk to them. They're just being yeah. private. Like, it's there's no reason to assume any of these people are stupid unless you're a jackass, because they're just not talking to you because they don't want to, and they don't have to. Story of my life. Your sense of entitlement is where you then walk away and think, what a moron. And it's like, well, no, actually, that person just 
didn't feel like your question was worth answering. Well, and I can't speak for the rest of the South, obviously, but for West Virginia, I feel that like, I mean, that's a big part of our history is that West Virginians were private. They were far out. They were seen as stupid. And so people took it, I mean, still take advantage of them throughout history. Yeah. The the, the history around mining culture is fascinating. And the more I learned about it while I was there, I, I, just, I never realized just how exploitative and uh, predatory that world really was. That, yeah, the, the, this sense of that, that deep, indignant privacy of, like, fuck off, we don't trust anyone else mm-hmm. is hard-earned. That comes from somewhere specific. The uh, I guess it's, like, the cliche that you hear, get off my property while mm-hmm. there's a, a shotgun cocking. Like, or not cocking. What is the phrase? Racking. You when you rack a shotgun. Oh my gosh! For a second, I was like, "Am from country?" No, I was like, "I am the only. I'm definitely not the person who knows that." Like, right? Like, look at the other three people real hard, real quick. (laughs) When I well, when I when I moved to West Virginia, my my ex and I were working at the facility where Emily later came to work, and our boss stopped by because we had moved there from AmeriCorps in Georgia, where I met Mary Kay, and uh, I didn't. They, they seemed to have a lot of interest in us, and I thought it was because, largely because we were going to be starting their drumming program, and that looks good and sounds good on paper and all. Yeah. So um, I later realized that it was definitely in large part because they did not have enough staff of color, and they were trying to beef that up. And they they wanted us to come, and they wanted us to stay. So he popped by the house, said, hey, I uh, thought I'd give you guys a little tour around town. Have you guys gotten around much? And we said, oh, just what little driving we've been doing. It's so beautiful here. We thought we might just, like, take a drive maybe this evening or tomorrow. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Tell you what, if you want to go for a drive, you let me know when you want to go and I'll, I'll come pick you up and I'll take you around for a drive. And I didn't catch it immediately, but my ex knew right away because he is a dark-skinned black man from Georgia who has lived in various places in the South at this point that he was saying that we could not drive wherever we oh, wanted well. and, and expect to not be. Yeah. yeah, and that's real. That's, I mean, and and that's even where... Where we met in West Virginia is really not the worst place in West Virginia by all any means. At all, no. I mean, what, Parkersburg, where we met, is seen as a big city in in West Virginia, and I mean, where my one side of my family is from in Wyoming County, I mean, it's it's real like holler. It's real, you know. My papa lived by a creek. We all, everybody talk clack dance. Beautiful. Thank you. I I do think it's very melodic mm-hmm. Southern West Virginia accent. Like Mingo? Mingo County, yeah. That's melodic to you? <laughs> Mingo County. My family is from Wyoming County. They live in West Virginia. I like it. It's twangy. <laughs> I do. I like it. I, I love almost every variation on any Southern accent. I find just fascinating. I would not choose to live in Mingo County. I don't think the people from Mingo County would choose to live in Mingo County. That's a large part of it, I think. But also that as accents go, I was just like, I can't, like my brain can't even find the pattern. It's just so dramatic and so fascinating. Like I just get so wrapped up in the like, what is happening right now that I could, I could never recreate it. Like, oh my God, it was like the accent that has broken my brain, Mingo County specifically. Well, but they say that Southern West Virginia is one of the, the accents that's the closest related to the British accent when, um, like everyone came over from England. Sense, so it's isolated. Because it's isolated, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that um, the accents of um, all of the guys were very accurate to like old money Atlanta. Queen of the Segway, and yes, also Burt Reynolds is from Georgia. I don't know. 
I know that he was in my hometown in the 70s and my mom lost her shit. And my Jiddo also. They were like, my store's in the background. And it is. Raymond's <laughs> department store is in the background and Smokey and the Bandit, in case you guys That's want awesome. to know. Yeah. That's um, amazing. It's framed in like all of the stuff downtown, like Burt Reynolds there with his cowboy hat. I love it. I wasn't around yet or he would have stayed, I think. <laughs> Um, let's talk also about how this is the gayest non-gay movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Burt Reynolds in a leather vest! Yes. Also, yeah. you know what we should do is get a whole bunch of, like, we should get two alphas, a beta, and, what is it, the third one? A theta? Omega? Male? Uh, what? I think it's beta. What's yeah, the let's story? get two alpha males, a beta, and then one guy who, like, doesn't even qualify. I've heard it's of an theta, alpha male. Right? I've only heard of a beta fish. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Burt Reynolds holding a, a fishbowl. Anyway, oh let's all get in a canoe and then, you know, have a traumatic experience together. It's a very similar phenomenon of like when guys get a whole bunch of like a group of their friends together and go to the strip club. You will leave with each other. You know that, right? Like, why Why not just cut out the middleman and all the stunt and, and then you save a bunch of money I, and then you get what you want anyway? There you go. Yeah. I think that's a real phenomenon, right? That, like, when I, when something is so, 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 so masculine, eventually it kind of steps a line and you're like, Those gay. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, yeah, you went from, like, appealing to men to, like, appealing to men. Like, like right. the cover of a, like the cover of a Springsteen's Before in the USA. Oh, my God. Yes. yes. Just a tight ass and tight jeans with a little yes. bandana hang out. Ooh, and the way he's like standing with his hip cocked. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the boss. Love the boss. It's just definitely one of those things where it like tipped over. Yeah. Past the like uh, bodybuilding? Mm hmm. Yep. Beefy men like, in bikinis. Uh, like slapping each other's wrestling? asses to celebrate yep. sporting? Slap ass. <laughs> Yay. Go sports. Oh, that ball taps are like somehow competitive social fun what is men's brain like so my husband i love him so much and he's not here to defend himself but he was a wrestler and a football player when he was younger and so i asked him about the whole ass slap thing because it was on we were watching a basketball game or something and i was like why why like why and he was like oh no it's just what you do and i'm like no the fact that you just never questioned it is like the most masculine thing. Right? Like that's such a like like a like a like toxically <laughs> masculine thing to me. <laughs> that like people put their hands on various parts of your genitals and you were just like, well, it is what men. If I slapped you in the vagina, you wouldn't you would question it. You're just saying you wouldn't just naturally be like, hell yeah, party time. If I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> or just Thank like, you, sir, may I have another? Yeah. <laughs> Or just like, oh, oh, you know, hey guys, good podcast. And then we just like, I don't know, jostle each other's bosoms. Some platonic motorboating between friends. Oh my God. I wish, I kind of wish that we didn't have to do all this other stuff because that's like a perfect ending. (laughs) Where we just all chest bump. This line about masculinity extending behind the camera. So, for example, in the interest of, I'm going to do some air quotes here for the listeners, realism, they didn't have stunt people. I mean, I think they did very, 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 very occasionally, but, like, John Voight climbed that rock face 
John Voight can get it. Mary Kay said John Voight can climb her face. <laughs> yes, he <it> can. <laughs> if that doesn't make it as a pull quote, I will blame this way. All that canoeing is them. At one point, Burt Reynolds broke his coccyx because... He broke his what? <laughs> Never mind, you said coccyx. Do you not think if he broke his cock, I would have approached that a little differently? <laughs> Do you not think this episode would have begun with Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You? Holy fuck, this one time Burt Reynolds broke his cock. He didn't. I have it on good authority. It's, it was fine. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying I know. It's just something I heard. Hey, I want to play a game. This totally should have been our icebreaker. <laughs> Mary, fuck, kill. Lewis, Bobby, and... Oh, man. I don't know, because there's four of them. Don't do Bob. Don't do Bobby. Mary... Fuck, wait down to the bottom of the river or t- Isn't that still killing? turn over to the authorities. Okay. If you guys want to think Got about it. maybe we can come back to that for our closer because that is better than my closer. That'll be our closer. Yeah, that's perfect. So yeah, so he broke <laughs> his coccyx or his tailbone. Thank you for the clarification. Sent, uh, in the scene where like the canoe's going down the river to the rapids um, where he's already been um, incapacitated, they sent it down the river with a dummy in the canoe and felt it looked unrealistic. So he was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Got in there, they sent it down the river, breaks fucking coccyx on the process, gets up and is like, how did it look? Director's like, like a canoe with a dummy in it. The acting was too good. But yeah, not only did these, all these motherfuckers do their own stunts, they didn't have insurance on the production. That line early in the, in the movie about like, no insurance, there's no risk. It was about this film? Yeah, that was a deliberate call out, like, a, like an in-joke for them. Good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's the dumbest joke. Men. Mary holding her face. Men and... There, it's a god complex. That's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, I need to check it. I can say a bunch of way too personal and ridiculous shit about this whole like life on the edge without insurance thing. I will instead say that I think it's interesting to like kind of wrap up this movie with this with this message that there is a point at which masculinity becomes a hindrance, and yet behind the camera. There was so much recklessness and exploitation, this, this casting locals, right? I think if it were not exploitative, it would have been clear from the jump. It's one thing to look at it now and say, well, okay, I, I guess it's not inherently cruel, but if you expect everyone in the theater to laugh when this kid won't respond to anything but banjo playing. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. I know that we're going to talk about music later, but since we went there, I'm going to go there. So I was talking to somebody about this is our next movie and they were like, first of all, it's not her. And I was like, first of all, have you seen it? Secondly, they were like, that's not the most iconic scene in the movie. It's the it's the banjo music. That's what everybody remembers because it also has been satirized to death. So the banjo music is the most iconic thing, arguably. Mm-hmm. Drew is our most identifiable with character. Like he's our in because he's the one who, like, sits down with that kid who cannot communicate otherwise. Yeah. Well, and I think he's the only one that saw that that kid as, like, an actual human being. Yeah, he sees everybody like that. He's even like, why are you fucking with these people? Like, leave them alone. Yeah, well, and, and everybody else there that wasn't from... I mean, like, the other people, like, the guy dancing was thoroughly enjoying the music. But the other three guys in our main group... 
I mean, it was kind of like going to the zoo and watching, mm-hmm. like, or the circus and watching an animal perform. And Drew was the only one who really, like, appreciated the fact that this child was incredibly musically gifted. Yeah, even the kid doesn't know. Like, the kid doesn't even realize that he's incredibly gifted. That's just the only way he knows how to communicate. The kid is also in the very beginning of the movie, and it's still the most iconic part. I think that he's supposed to represent the country that they go into. Like, not the nation, but, like, country. Like, rural area. Yeah. Which is a trope in horror films, and I think this movie is one of the first that uh, really played that up. Where you have, like, a city person going into the country and into, like, the wild And this kid is the main thing that we see because he can communicate very specifically and in no other way. And we're led to believe, I mean, at least in the myriad satirizations of this scene that I've heard, um, that the kid is supposed to be a product of incest. Have you guys heard that too? Mm -hmm. And that's why he can't, Mm -hmm. he has a communication disorder. That doesn't make any sense. They specifically picked this kid. And this guy has like, he still, he actually like leads tours on the river now this movie in many ways was very very good for him in his life like he's he's had a lot of cool experiences as a result also he was specifically picked because they felt that like the shape of his eyes and like his features and um and i think he was actually was pretty he was a young kid you know he was he was kind of reticent and, and kind of nervous around all these unfamiliar adults they felt like he looked like he had a disability so they specifically picked him well, didn't they, didn't they say when they were kind of walking around when they got to the town, something along the lines of, like, genetic deficiencies or something like that? Yeah, the idea that everyone's related. Yeah. I did really want to talk more about that, like, redneck nightmare trope in horror movies. Yeah, bring it. Yeah, let's do it. Just kind of like, you know, because I was looking up, um, because, yeah, because this one is one of the first, if not the first, that really plays up that redneck nightmare trope. And, like, other movies that came to mind that I was thinking that has built off of Deliverance are, like, The Hills Have Eyes, Jeepers Creepers, Wrong Turn, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, there's so many more. Like, there were so many. Yeah. Like, this idea of... And I almost felt like Wrong Turn was kind of, like, taking taking Deliverance and this redneck nightmare trope to, like, a whole other level. Because, I mean, like, in that movie, I mean, the, the people there are so inbred that it... They don't even look like people anymore. They look like monsters and they're eating human flesh. And so I just, I thought that this was interesting that that is, that this is what kind of really started that idea of, cause I, cause I feel like people a lot of times today have romanticized this idea of like country living and country life. But there's also the flip side of that of like, but it's really a nightmare. It's really, it's not this dream. It's a nightmare. So I thought this was just really interesting. This is kind of what kicked off that in film to my knowledge. It is kind of like a characters go there to escape and then it ends up turning into a horror escape. Well, I think that's, that's also these, these characters being subsumed into nature, right? Which we, we touched on a little bit earlier, that there's this entwinement of the locals and nature itself. And which one is the real which one is the real enemy? Which one are, are they really fighting? Are they separate? Blah blah blah. So um, I think there's this idea that like, oh there's so such simplicity in these people because of their connection to nature. Like yes, they are more attuned to nature and also it is because of their simplicity, but also haha, they are simple. Just like no you don't get it both ways, motherfucker. You don't get to be like, I'm so much smarter, 
And also, this person has more of a connection to the river that murdered everyone. You don't get to feel better than the person who is better than the thing that bettered you. Did you guys know that uh, James Dickey is a romance novelist? The guy who wrote Deliverance? I did not. No. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. The, in the book, you can tell. It's it's really a good book, Yeah, too. I read the book, but I didn't know he wrote other... And that's really a dumb statement. I didn't know he had anything else, really. I had no idea he, it, it was a book before watching this film. It was doing research after I watched it. Oh, wow. This says he was a, the U.S. Poet Laureate in 1966. Yeah, he and, he and the that's director cool. got into a fucking fist fight on set. I didn't know that. Yeah, the director lost teeth. Awesome. Incredible. <laughs> I have so much more respect for him now. Yeah. I'm like I did before. Same. Anyway. But, but no, they they became, they ended up being close friends. In fact, um, Dickie is the sheriff at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. Really? I didn't know that. I love that those gems cool. of like writers or directors who show up in their movies. Like, the little cameos. Yeah, like Stephen King or Stan mm. Lee. I feel like that adds a yeah. whole other like fun element to a movie. Yeah. I love playing spot Stephen King. That's oh, my favorite. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't miss him. He has such a st- iconic look. Well, yeah, but I just like I always wait anytime he has something new, and I'm just like, where are you? Where are you? <laughs> I, yeah, no, I feel like I should have a bat, like almost like a Girl Scout patch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this movie horror? No. I mean, if you want to classify horror as fragile, toxic masculinity, then yeah, it's a horror of I- everyday life. For women. It's unsettling and it touches on horrific things, but I don't think it's horror. I don't think it's horror. But there are definitely a lot of things trying to oh, kill yeah. you. What do you think, Mary? I think that as usual, men get to decide what horror is. And they said it was horror. So, sure, guys, sexual violation <laughs> is basically the same as like anything that happens in a Saw movie, I guess. Well, but, like, the thing is, is, like, okay, so if we're going to call rape horror movie material, then, like, every other Game of Thrones needs to be horror. Like, yeah. That's what I said. Then anytime a woman is raped, it is. Because we, uh, one of our older episodes, Mary Kay and I talked about Monster mm-hmm. with Eileen Warnos. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is on horrific things. And it's listed, like, it's, draw, it's uh, genre is crime yeah. drama. But, and it's, like, it's about a serial killer. And this also rape and things, and it's listed as a drama. And this, which is far less horrific, is horror. Well, and it, mm-hmm. and I just, I mean, I hate to rag on Game of Thrones because I really am a huge fan of the show. But like Mary said, it was a, it was just like a plot point to to prove this background or to prove something that we didn't really need proven in that way. And it's not classified as horror. It's not. It's it's almost like background noise it's not just because a movie has something scary doesn't make it a scary movie if that were the case then a lot of movies i want to do on this podcast would be totally fine (laughs) mary we're not doing gremlins i know i've accepted that but also there's a bunch of other shit that would be fine that (laughs) we're not going to do because whatever boo shut down mary Kay. what do you think i think it depends on your perspective of the country I feel like somebody who doesn't, who hasn't like been out in nature and seen it in full force 
would think that this movie is much scarier than somebody who has. That's reasonable. Or like has li- has lived with it on a regular basis, not like, you know, been caught in a thing. Yeah. Like that's different. But I mean, just like with any horror movies, like some of them are very scary to me and some of them aren't because, you know, we're all scared of different shit. Yeah. I was going to say, I get the impression that for this group of people speaking right now, a lot of what's not scary about this is that this shit was real motherfucking preventable. That's also true. That this group of people you are correct. likes a lot of the stuff that's happening in this movie. Like, all of these components are fine. You put them together in a way that was obviously irresponsible. Package it in a leather yeah, vest and then it doesn't work. The leather vest was just a, an emblem of your irresponsibility. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I know that lots of horror theory treats this movie as if it's not horror then it's definitely a prototype for a lot of stuff that comes after it mm-hmm. like emily said like texas yeah. chainsaw mascara yeah. the hills have eyes wrong absolutely turn, because I you're going out of your comfort zone right so i think it maybe it isn't i mean it's sort of like saying that psycho is a slasher it's not really but it started that genre mm-hmm. right so i think this is the same yeah. sort of prototype situation yeah so what's our closer? Fantastic. Emily, your game. Okay, so Mary, fuck, drown in the river and kill, and then turn into the authorities, Lewis, Ed, Bobby, and Drew. Drown them all in a river. Well, I would, I mean, out of all of them, I would marry Drew. Duh. I mean, that's the obvious choice. I would probably fuck Ed, because his lips are really beautiful. <laughs> um, and then the last two, I had a really hard time. I wanted to say turn into the authorities, Lewis, mainly because of his fashion crimes while camping. (laughs) And then only because he was the last one left drowned in a river, Bobby. Not because I have any, like, vendetta against him. The poor man has already gone through enough. It's a mercy killing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's fair enough. Just the kindness. Um, I'm going to marry Drew because I appreciate kindness in a life partner. I'm going to fuck Lewis... To death. Same girl. I'm gonna fuck him to death. Then Same. I'm gonna. There you go. So he still dies. <laughs> it's a Venn diagram. <laughs> Get it? A diagram. Hey. And then I'm going to. I would turn. <laughs> I would turn Ed into the authorities because I trust him to like hold his shit together. And then I. I go, oh my god! I guess I'm drowning. Bobby. Bobby. I'm sorry, my friend. Damn. Rough night for you. Mary Drew, Buck Lewis, drown the other two. I don't care. They can they can fight among themselves. Whoever makes it on a canoe in the river on who's going to turn themselves in. The winner gets to turn themselves into the authorities and survive. The loser obviously drowns because they stood up in a canoe like a dumbass. That's my answer. I even had to. I'm I'm ready and I have reasoning. I would kill Bobby because I just don't have anything for him. It's not anything personal. It's just like delete. So You're all right. of us have killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. He might have been the one to stay seated in the canoe in my scenario. He might have made it out of mine. Well, I have reasoning. Yes, I'm ready. So I would kill Bobby because I have nothing for him. I would turn Lewis in because I thought that I would fuck Lewis, but I think he'd be a really selfish lover. But I. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, he would definitely be a one and done kind of partner. But I do want to see him in handcuffs. Yeah. So. I turn him in. It's a win-win. It's that Venn diagram again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want James Dickey to put his hand on the top of his head and put him in the back of a car. That'd be a really fun thing for me to fantasize about later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I would fuck Drew because I feel like he would be very attentive, but I think that I would get bored with him because he doesn't have, like, enough, like, grit. 
And then um, I would marry Ed because he is the best of all worlds. And he does have a very Because you mouth. would let him climb your mountain. I love it. I love all those reasons. I love that that was so well thought out. <laughs> that was like, like a master's level thesis of fuck, Mary kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we got, like, you guys told me about it like in the middle of the episode. So I was like, I'm be ready for this shit. Like, I don't play, take this game lightly. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, thank you guys so much yeah. for listening to us. If you haven't already, please go subscribe to us and then rate us and review us, please. Because that's how other people find us. So even if you're like, whatever, they know that I think they're great. That's true. Thank you very much for telling us individually. But tell the world for us. That would be great. Shout it on a mountain. And in case uh, you thought Deliverance was the gayest man movie you've ever seen, think again. Because next time (laughs) on Everything Trying to Kill You, we're talking about Interview with the Vampire. This movie is from 1994. Oh, I love that movie. It has everyone in it. It has Tom Cruise before he hijacked the mummy. It has Mm. Brad Pitt before he wouldn't marry Angelina Jolie. It has Christian Slater still impersonating Jack Nicholson. You have (laughs) Kirsten Dunst just killing it. And you have Antonio Banderas in Whiteface. What else do you need in a film? (laughs) What else could you want? I'm so Um, excited. So go ahead and rewatch it. And uh, thank you, Emily, so much for coming. Yes, Uh, thank you. I love you. Thank you for having me. I have had so much fun. I love to listen to your guys' podcasts, and I feel like I'm meeting my celebrity crushes, idols, (laughs) all of the above. Yay! Anyway, we'll talk to you again in two weeks about Interview with the Vampire, and we have a lovely guest coming back, Emily Martin. You might remember her from our episodes about the mummy, the scary things to talk about in the dark, and the lure. I'm so ready to have her back. Yay! Yeah! Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye! Bye! Now do I stop recording now?